Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Bless the Lord. How many love the presence of God? I love it. I just so enjoy God's presence. I, I look forward to Sundays because there is something that happens when we gather together. You know, YouTube's great, listening online, staying home when you, you can't come, awesome. It's always second best. <laughs> it doesn't come near to be shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters, worshiping God and feeling the manifest presence of the Lord. There's nothing like it, and uh, just want to encourage you guys. There's a reason the Lord says, do not forsake. Do not give up. Do not quit gathering together one with another. So I don't know why I'm saying that, but it's just on me, and it's, it's for real. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Everybody said amen. amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the balance of grace and faith. Um, Turn with me to Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 4. You know, I'm just, just moved for a second. I'm glad Jewel prayed um, for the Jewish people and especially what's going on in Israel. Uh, as we see these things, wars and rumors of wars, um, I think there was a... a I don't really watch the news hardly at all, but I saw something where um, the, uh, the president of, what's the country next to Ukraine, um, Belarus, is saying, you know, like, the U.S. is pushing Russia close to nuclear war. And <laughs> these are all just statements, but that's like a rumor, right? That's a rumor of war. And, you know, listen. When you see all these things, know that it, it, the day draws nigh, draws near. And so, you know, we as the body of Christ, as believers, know that Jesus is going to return. It's not the end. It's not the end because we know Christ is going to rule for a thousand years. All these things are birth pangs. So I, I just think it's important not to be naive, but just to understand we live in interesting times. And the same way that this kind of darkness is, is like pushing out around the world, that God's grace is being released in, in a greater measure. And those who know their God are going to do great exploits. And to know means to be intimately connected with Right? The same word, no, is Adam knew his wife. There's an intimacy of connection and union. And you, believers in Christ, are his bride. And you've been called to union with God. We're called to intimate intimacy with God, to, to union with God, that we may co we're co-heirs and co-laborers with him. So those who know, who are walking that intimacy of union with God are going to do great exploits. So there's great glory going to be poured out. It's, it's, it's the great and the terrible. 
Unfortunately, for those who, who, who refuse to receive the grace of God, it's the terrible. But on you who know the Lord, it's the great day. It's the great day. And we actually, when he comes up, when he returns, he's going to establish a thousand-year reign. It's going to be the most glorious time to live on the earth. And so that's why the believers looked forward to the coming of the Lord. You know, sometimes we get warped and we're like, oh, my God. The coming of the Lord. No, this is going to be good because he's going to, he's going to like establish the earth the way it should be. So we should look forward to it. It's going to be awesome. <clears throat> okay, that's another aside, but that's just current events. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, <clears throat> they'll be, you know, they'll be blessed who, uh, who love, love her. So it's just important. Pray for the revelation, the full revelation uh, of Christ to all people. To the Jew first and to the, the Gentiles, which is everyone else. Okay, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, beginning of verse 4. I'm reading from the New King James Version. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Underline that. By grace, you've been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he may show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He's made us sit together in heavenly places. In Christ. We're in Christ. Sometimes we read right through these things and we don't really stop to understand, take it in, and just believe the word of God. You are seated in Christ with God. He's made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is Christ right now? He's at the right hand of the Father. Okay? He's also in us, and we're in him. That's a bit of a mystery, but he wants us to enter in in the simplicity of faith. If you don't understand it with your mind, it's okay. Just say, God, I trust you. I believe you. I'm in you. You're in me. I, I believe it. And you're going to walk in it. But he sits at the right hand of God, and then he says, we're seated with him. And most of you look around and say, no, I'm seated here in the basement of 75 Maiden Lane. Okay, you're looking with carnal eyes. You're looking with the natural mind. You need to look with spiritual eyes and understand that you are seated with God in heavenly places. You are seated with Christ. Can we start to look at things with the eyes of the Spirit? All right. I want you to close your eyes right now. Tell me what do you see. You need to begin to look at the eye. What is God showing you, speaking to you? He always speaks according to his word. So meditate on the word and let God begin to show you things. And stop using your eyes to understand what's around you. We need greater insight. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul didn't pray that everyone would be healed. He said, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, of God. We need a greater understanding of what he's already done. A greater 
wisdom and insight, like take, that the veil be taken off of us, that we, we begin to see the word for what it says and just believe. Because here's what happens. We constantly are getting inputs. You're constantly getting information. And the question is always this, whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? So I will believe the report of the Lord. Okay. <clears throat> Let me go back. And he's made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of anything you've done, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let's go back to verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. Grace is God's part. He did it at the cross. He's, he's made it available to all men. It's his will that all men be saved, 1 Timothy 2, and come to the knowledge of the truth. We also understand that not all men will be saved because what God has provided still requires a response of the heart. What is the response of the heart? By grace you're saved through faith. The response of the heart is faith. We must believe what he's provided. Turn with me to Acts 16. God is bringing, I'm just bringing you on a journey with me. I've been saved over 40 years. And some things that God showed me when I was first saved, you walk in and then you kind of don't, Stay in that. You keep moving on with different things. But God says, I want you to come back to the simplicity of faith, to believe what I said, to trust it, and doubt everything else. Acts 16, beginning of verse 30. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. <clears throat> I switch back and forth. It's just because I'm trying to get a better understanding of what God is saying and doing. So... Acts 16.30 from the English Standard, it says, Then he brought them out and said. <clears throat> All right, I have to give you some background. Acts 16, Paul and Silas are preaching the word, performing miracles. They get arrested. They get beaten. They get thrown in prison. They're beaten, battered, and bruised. And they're, now they're thrown in prison for doing what? For preaching the word of God, for just sharing the good news. What's their response to saying, God, I thought I was doing your will. What happened? How could this happen? No, that is not their response. Take note. When you're doing the will of God, not everything will happen the way you think it should happen. But your response is not to accuse God, not to grumble or complain. You should always rejoice, giving thanks and glory to God despite your circumstances. When Paul, even in the persecution, even when you're getting beaten, Give glory to God. And because their heart attitude was right, they didn't enter into accusation against God or doubt or unbelief. They stayed in faith in the midst of what they didn't understand. Might not have, why did this happen to us? Beginning in verse 16, it says that an earthquake, God sent an earthquake. 
all the chains fell off their hands and legs. And the prison doors were open. Not just theirs, everybody around them. See, when God pours out his, his grace and mercy, it affects everything. Not just you, it's going to affect everybody around you. Keep a right attitude and it's going to just, it's going to impact everything. Okay. So then, the warden, the jailer, looks around, sees all the prison doors open. He's like, oh my God, I, I just better kill myself now. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's escaped. They're going to kill me anyway. And then Paul crawls out and says, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. Let's pick it up from there. The jailer runs in and it says, then he brought them out, Paul and Silas and Sarah, and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe. Everybody say believe. Believe. This is so important that we believe. All things are possible to him who believes. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their wounds and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. I want you to notice something, that faith looks like something. Faith is not passive. Faith doesn't say, I believe, but I'm just going to sit right here and do nothing. No, faith looks like something. Faith has a response. He was immediately baptized. He didn't wait. Baptism is an outward act <clears throat> that represents uh, a spiritual reality. Baptism is an act of faith. I'm baptized into the death of Christ. Under the water, I'm dead and buried. I come out a new man. I do that. It's an outward representation and of an inward reality. Your faith in Christ, he said, believe and be baptized. It's, faith has to be acted on. Faith without works is dead. Okay? Faith causes a response. If your faith doesn't cause a change of behavior, a change of response, a change of the way you're thinking, then maybe you're still a seeker. But when you believe, when you believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and you say, God, I'm a sinner. I come to you. I put my faith in your finished work, and you receive his spirit. Everything is different. We sang the song. Everything changed. I'm not the person I was before. You know, I'm not the person I was before. Everything changed. Faith is not passive. Faith responds to what God has already done. So they were baptized. <clears throat> Will you believe and receive or doubt and do without? <laughs> Will you believe and receive what God has already provided? Or will you doubt it and then just do without? Because he's provided salvation. He's provided healing. He's provided deliverance. He's provided all of this. Will you believe it? Will you believe it? All through the Gospels. You know, it should only believe. This, the centurion went to get Jesus and said, my daughter's sick. Or, or, or whoever he was, I forget. But... Jesus went with him, and then they sent the report and said, oh, your daughter's already dead. Don't bother the teacher. 
Jesus turned to him and said, don't doubt, only believe. Only believe. Right? And he went. And he raised the girl from the dead. You're going to always get conflicting information. Information is going to come to you. Will you believe the word of God as true? Let God be true and every man a liar. Let every word, or will you believe the word of God? Will you believe and receive, or will you doubt and do without? I want to believe. And God, to the extent there's unbelief, help my unbelief. You know, like, we have to cast down every, this is why the word of God says, cast down every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God isn't just, oh, yeah, God is God. It's everything he's done. What he finished at the cross, that's part of it. And so you got to cast down everything that tries to say it's above that. So if the doctor's report comes in, the blood test comes back, whatever, and it's contrary to that by his stripes you were healed 2,000 years ago, you cast that down. That is not what I believe. I believe the report of the Lord. All right, turn with me to Romans chapter 4. Going to read through Romans 4 and a little bit of Romans 5. Okay, let's start at the top. Therefore, <clears throat> again, I'm talking about the balance of grace and faith. Because <clears throat> it's both. It's by grace you were saved through faith. There has to be a response to grace. Grace is what God's given us. Without works, without any merit, it's unmerited. We didn't do anything for it. We didn't work for it. He provided it. But there has to be a response to God's grace, and that response is faith. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace. How do we get into the grace? It's by believing. Faith is believing what God has done. Faith is the substance of what's hoped for. What's hoped for? We hope for the, what the word has promised us. What's in the word is what we're hoping for. We have access by, great, by faith into this grace. All the promises of God are available to us by faith. Through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. What did Paul and Silas do? <laughs> they were beaten. They were thrown in prison. And then they sang and gave thanks to the Lord like it was crazy. <laughs> but they gloried in the tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces a perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. And this hope, this hope that is rooted in the word of God and the promises of God does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time, everyone say due time. There's an appointed season. There's an appointed season for, for God's miracle in your life. <clears throat> it's when you were born again. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a, righteous, for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone might even dare to die. 
But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners or estranged and enemies from God, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him, Christ. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, will we, shall we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as though one man... I was reading from chapter 4 and I skipped. <laughs> I'm in 5. I apologize. It threw me off. All right. Let me back up. <clears throat> chapter 4. What then shall we say that Abraham, our father, has faith according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he would have something to boast about, but not before God. For what the scripture says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Everyone say believed. It's so important. We believe what God says because this is what counts. <laughs> now, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace but debt. When you put in your time and talents, you submit that to your employer. At the end of the time, you expect a paycheck. You don't, that's not grace. <laughs> But to him who does not work, but it believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also described the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. And then he quotes Psalm 32. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now, does this blessedness now does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised? All right. What are you talking about? Circumcised, uncircumcised? <clears throat> He's talking to Jewish people who follow the traditions and law passed down from their fathers. And so they were all circumcised, usually on the eighth day. That was the command. So they were circumcised. So he's talking to, to Jewish people who are following the traditions and customs passed down. Does this blessedness then come upon them only or upon those who aren't circumcised, meaning all of the Gentile world? For we say that faith was accounted to Ab Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised. But while uncircumcised, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all who believe, though they are uncircumcised. Just as I commented about baptism, we believe, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and because he said, you get baptized. Believe in the Lord Jesus and be baptized. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward reality. Circumcision was the same thing. God spoke to Abraham. He already believed God. But he followed through. Faith looks like something. 
when he was told, circumcise, you should be circumcised, circumcise your family, he did it. <clears throat> Outward sign of an inward relationship with God. That he might be the father of all those who believed, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them. And the father of the circumcision to those who not only are circumcised, but here's the key, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which Father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. It's making a point. It's not by lineage that you're saved because they're the natural seed of Abraham. It's by faith in Christ. And those who are of the natural line, they still need to put faith in Messiah, in the promise of who was to come. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 13, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is void, and the promise of no effect, because the law brings wrath. For where there is no law, there's no transgression. Verse 16, therefore, it is a of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only those who are of the law or the lineage of Abraham, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made your, you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. And if you're not sure who that is, he fills it in. God. He believed what God said. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. This is our God. He calls those things that don't exist as if they did. And Abraham believed him even in face of contrary evidence. Verse 18. Who contrary to hope, in hope he believed. What the heck does that mean? Contrary to hope, he believed in hope. I think he clarifies. Let's go down and we'll come back to this verse. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall, you, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. Okay. Let's go back to that verse, 18. Who contrary to hope, he believed in hope. In hope, believed. Contrary to all this, the physical realities of the carnal, natural mind, the science that was available even in his age, that at 100 years old and 90 years old, Sarah, you ain't having kids anymore. So contrary to hope, you got no reason to hope. He believed in hope. He believed in hope. Why? Because he counted God greater. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider. He didn't even consider it. He didn't say, well, 
wait a minute, God, let's, let's think about this. I'm 90, she's 90, I'm 100. No, he didn't consider it. His own body already dead. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through what? Unbelief. This is, this is our enemy. Unbelief. All things are possible to him who believes. Can faith, and, can, can belief and unbelief exist in the same space? Yes. That's the problem. That's the problem. Peter walked on water. At what? At the word of the Lord. If that's you, Lord, tell me to come. Come. He gets out. He starts walking on water. Then he started getting contrary information. What was the contrary information? The wind and the waves. He started thinking about it. Reasoning in his head. Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on what? Your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. If you start leaning on your own understanding, you're going to consider the wind and the waves. Peter started considering the wind and the waves. What happened? He began to sink. What did he say? Help, Lord, save me. Jesus is merciful. Reached out his hand. It pulled him up and it said, you're doing so well. Why did you doubt? Peter had faith. Like I said, faith and doubt can occupy it. But doubt will destroy your faith. You start, like, focusing on your doubt for a moment, and it's going it's to wipe out your faith. Stay in faith. Let's look at what Abraham did. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. Looking at the deadness of Sarah's womb, his own age, he didn't waver. But he was strengthened in faith. He gave glory to God and being fully convinced. Everyone say fully convinced. That what he, God had promised, he was able to perform. And therefore. What is the therefore, therefore? It's looking back, it's saying because he was fully convinced that God was able and he was, he, he was able to perform, therefore, that was accounted to him as righteousness. Now, it wasn't written for his sake alone. Let's tune in here. This wasn't just written for Abraham. Good job, Abraham. This was written for our sake. It was imputed, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe. How many are willing to check your unbelief at the door and simply, like a child, just believe God? He wants childlike faith. Who's the greatest? They kept asking Jesus, who's the greatest? He brought this little child, put him up. It says, unless your faith becomes like him, a little child, you won't enter the kingdom. Just believe. It shall be imputed to him who believe in him. <clears throat> but also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and we was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, chapter 5. There were no chapter breaks. It was just a continuation. Having been justified, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access 
by faith into this very grace. God's done it. Grace is everything that was accomplished at the cross. By his stripes, you were healed. It's done. We just got to tune in our receivers to receive now what's already done. By faith, we have access into this grace in which we stand. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And only, not only that, we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Hope in God. Hope in God. It's Romans 15. Hope in God. <clears throat> that hope doesn't disappoint. Let your hope be in the promises of God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That hope is rooted in all of the prom everything that God says. Let your faith be rooted there. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 9. I'm ask the worship team to come up. I want to read from the English Standard Version. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city. And he amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. Who was saying he was somebody great? Saying that he himself <laughs> was somebody great. And they all paid attention to him. He had a, a need for attention. From the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he'd amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip, because Philip came preaching the word of God in Samaria. When they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Verse 13, even this Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. In other words, he, he was a disciple. He was following Philip. And he believed. And seeing the signs and the great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, when Simon saw that the Spirit was giving on through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Oh, give me this power that also, so that, I, so that anyone I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. You know, other than the money part, <clears throat> that's not that unusual. Like, we disciple people, people like, oh, I want to be able to lay hands on and help people receive the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. But the offering of the money, I think, raised Peter's antenna, and he started to discern there was something else going on here. It's not just that he loved God and wanted to see people baptized in the Holy Spirit, but he was a believer. Like, we're not talking about an unbeliever. How many know we're all in process? How many all know we have some baggage? How many know that your carnal nature needs to be crucified? <laughs> 
what can we discern about the carnal nature of Simon before he was a believer? Well, he would say of himself that he was somebody great. He was a self-promoter. Others recognized that and they fed into it. And so he enjoyed the attention given by at self-promotion. <clears throat> That's called the selfish ambition. It's a work of the carnal nature. Listen, I have to crucify it in my own life. We all have to. Selfish ambition is a work of the flesh. Now, ambition, godly ambition, is nothing wrong with that. If you're moving in what God has called you to do, and he's given you vision to do things, and you're just moving in obedience, that's not selfish. You see, pride is the great sin. Pride is all about self. It happened in the garden when Adam and Eve were offered the opportunity, tempted by the Satan to, to eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Tempted by the lie that says, when you eat of this fruit, you'll be like God. What was it like? They were already like God. They were created in the image and likeness of God. They walked with God. But somehow they thought God was holding out on them. And this was something that they should desire for themselves. And when you start to desire something and it's all about me, you start to walk in the same temptation. That's the temptation of pride, me. Me, me, me. Pride is about me. So they, Adam and Eve, they ate and their eyes were open. And instead of being God conscious, all of a sudden they became self-conscious, self-centered. What's the first thing they realized? What's the first thing they realized when they ate of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil? How many know? They were naked. They were naked. Why did they realize they were naked? Because all of a sudden, they were self-conscious, self-centered. And they, oh, they're naked. <laughs> Before, they weren't focused on themselves. They were focused on walking with God. Jesus says we have to die to ourselves so that we can live unto him. If we refuse to die to ourselves, we can't live unto him. Let me, let me keep reading. I'll bring this. Okay. <clears throat> now, when Simon saw that the spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said, May your silver perish with you, because you thought. Everyone say thought. We got to change the way we think. You thought that you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter. For your heart is not right before God. <clears throat> Verse 22, repent. We always have to be quick to repent, quick to forgive. There's certain things, God puts his finger on something, just be quick to repent. 
Simon was a believer. Peter's saying, repent, that you may repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord, if possible, that the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. God judges. He knows the very intents and purposes of our heart. You might do something outwardly that looks to others like it's good, but if their intent of the heart is that a selfish ambition, it smells rotten to God. Maybe not to others. It looks over. Oh, this looks great. Because you, I don't know your heart, but God knows. God says, I don't, I look at the heart. You look at the outward appearance. And unless God gives a supernatural discernment like he gave to Peter, like we don't know. I don't know the intent of your heart. But God knows. If it's out of selfish ambition, it doesn't smell right. <clears throat> if possible, that the intent of your heart may be forgiven. Verse 23, for I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. I want to read from verse 20 from the New Living Translation, because I think it, it, it helps us to get a better insight. Beginning of verse 20, NLT. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you're full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. See, the apostles were laying their hands and people were receiving the Holy Spirit. And they were getting attention. The favor of God was on the apostles for what they were doing. And he was jealous. Jealousy is a killer. Jealousy prevents us from rejoicing with those who are being blessed. And, it, and it's, we're all susceptible to it. Just a quick personal testimony. Recent, recently, where I work, a person um, was promoted. Same, you know. And uh, I remember in my heart I was like, how did this person get promoted? Like, I've been here longer. I, I know the kind of work I do, et cetera. And the Lord said to me, my favor's on them. They weren't a believer. You know, God's good to the just and the unjust. And they got promoted because of favor, undeserved merit. Favor, favor's powerful. I know, I've, I've walked in favor. <laughs> and favor opens doors that no man can shut. But... Others looking on, they don't understand it. And then they begin to get jealous. How? What about that person? What? You know, how did they get that? And they make up rumors sometimes and say things about people. It's nasty. <clears throat> and I repented of the Lord quickly. You have to repent. <laughs> Lord's not showing you this stuff. And this was, all, this was all in moments. And I immediately sent an email to this person. I said, congratulations. You know, pray that God blesses you and you succeed in all that you do, et cetera, et cetera. Because <clears throat> that's the right response. The right response is to rejoice with those who are being blessed. If it's jealousy, it's like, you know, if you 
follow the Lord and you walk in submission to him, he's going to bless you with favor. But, you gotta, but it's, it's everything is in a due season. Everything's in a time. He honors those who honor him. You know, even Cain, you know, the favor of God was on Abel. He accepted his sacrifice of the animals. There was a reason because it was the blood sacrifice. Cain offered up what God didn't like, which was the labor of his hands, the fruit, and, and it wasn't a blood sacrifice. So he was pleased with Abel but not pleased with Cain. But what was God's response? God's response was, if you do right, you know, why are you upset? If you do right, you know, you'll be blessed. But be careful. Sin is waiting at your door to get you. Like, don't, don't give in to it. Like, Cain had an opportunity just to say, okay, instead of doing it my way, I see what you like. I'm going to do it your way. What do you get? Not my way, your way. Not my, my selfishness or God way. Self-conscious, God-conscious. You see what I'm saying? Whenever it's about me, my way, is a problem. We do it God's way. Cain was offered the opportunity to do it God's way. But he grumbled and complained, and then he rose up and he murdered Cain because of he was jealous. Jealousy's a killer. God doesn't want you eating of that fruit, <laughs> eating of that vine. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. And if you sense it, if it ever happens to you, just repent. So God, forgive me. Even if you don't feel like you should, just do it. Why? Because that jealousy is not of God. Just give it to the Lord. And his favor will be on you. He honors, because you, when you do what the Lord says, he honors those who honor him. And favor is going to come your way. Do what, do what God wants. His favor will come your way. Believe that. How many believe that? All things are possible to him who believes. He wants us by grace to receive everything he's done, but it's by believing in faith all the promises of God. Let's all stand. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.